Hi, Lynn Gilliland here, Lessons from Leaders. This is part two with Anne Lynham Goddard, the president and CEO of Child Fund. She's been in that seat for 13 years. She spent 20 years in a previous living overseas, and I think she said five continents. So she had quite a bit of field experience before she took on the role that she has now. Um, if you didn't listen to part one, you don't want to miss it. Part two, we talk a lot about what courage has to do with being a leader. Um, and some of the things that keep her up at night. We also talked about advice that she has for her young, that she would have given her younger self. Really quite a rich discussion. You don't want to miss it. So everyone, Anne Lynham Goddard from Child Fund. Welcome back, everybody. This is part two with Anne from Child Fund, and we are so Again, we, we are getting into the meat of things. So if you didn't get to part one, you want to you wanna catch it. And right, let's jump in and, and talk about Child Fund has a very ambitious strategy, which, which um, will tell us about that, and then we'll take it from there. So Child Fund is an 80-year-old organization. And I think we got to the point that I think it's incumbent on us to figure out how we can scale up more what we do as an international NGO. I say this, even though we, some people would say we're at scale, we reach about 13, 14 million people a year. But when you look at the problem, particularly post-COVID, the problems are only bigger. Mm -hmm. So we put out a big, hairy, audacious goal, a BHAG. We started before the pandemic, but decided to continue. It's appropriate during. And we aligned it with the SDGs that by 2030, we'll reach 100 million children and family members. And we'll help those children grow up to be healthy, educated, skilled, and safe which are the four components of our work. So we started it, and we, I said to all staff, I have no idea how we're going to reach that, right? It's just not doing what we're doing and multiplying it by eight or 10 or whatever. Um, and everybody knew that. So we decided to put out a, um, a, a crowdsourcing approach. So with board members, some partners, but mostly with staff, we put out, you know, what's your idea of how we could reach that? And all different aspects. So we crowdsource over 175 ideas, we honed them down, we you know, grouped them, and then we got a bunch of teams working on them now. But I constantly say that we don't know the answers yet. All the answers are coming from this, and that's true. I threw my ideas into the mix like anyone else. My board did. We all filled out things online. And this is kind of new for us because we, I've never put out something so bold before, and I've been the CEO there now for um, 13 years. We've always done this, and this is probably the third or fourth strategy we've developed. And we've always, you know, worked on it together as a staff. It's always participatory. And then the new strategic directions or whatever emerge from it. But this is putting something out and asking everybody a road to that path. So that took a little courage, I think, to do that. I think some people were a little shocked. Um, but I think it was the right thing for the organization, not only because we're 80 years old, but because there's a lot of talk and, and rightfully so, the growth of local civil society and the countries you're working in, what's a special contribution an INGO can make? And I think scale is one of them. So did you, did it, are there any nights that you didn't sleep because you were worried or scared? Um, I had to bring my board along a little bit with it. You know, they had a broader idea than in some ways different ideas, but it's coming, that's coming together nicely now. I think we're all uh, converging on a couple of things. 
uh, I don't, I go to sleep okay. I'm the kind of person who wakes up three o'clock in the morning and then starts thinking about it. So yeah, I've had a couple um, middle of the night, particularly before a big meeting where we're pulling things together. We're, we're about 75% of way through the process now. And it's coming together. We've, we're, we're, as a learning, as it's, it's approach to learning, we're um, dividing it to three parts. So the first two years will really be testing ideas. So we're going through the process now of figuring out what are our best ideas. And some of them might not turn out to be good, but um, hopefully we'll learn and pivot um, in the process and pick out the two or three things we think will, we could really scale and that we test their way to that. I, I, I explained to Steph, it's like the vaccines that we're all talking about now, right? Mm-hmm. Test it on 10 people, then you do 100 people, then you do 1,000, 10,000, 1 million. That's how we'll test our way to seeing if we have some ideas that work. And then, um, so thanks for sharing that, you know, that you do have little moments where you go, oh, <laughs> who doesn't? <laughs> what are we going to do now? And can I really lead us this direction now that mm-hmm. I said that we would go this direction? Mm-hmm. So uh, earlier you and I were talking about what um, being uncomfortable has to do mm-hmm. with being a leader. And you're just actually, those are some uncomfortable moments, right? Yeah. I think that um, a leader really needs to be able to hold the anxiety that people have for uncertainty and discomfort in something. Some of the staff wanted to know right away, which countries were going to do this? You know, they wanted details. And I have to say, no, we don't know those things yet, right? And I'm, and in my comfort level of how I say, and that's okay, that helps them and holds their anxiety about it being okay. And reaffirming all the time that together we'll figure out the next steps and we'll learn as we go. So I've always, I felt this in other situations where um, during the history of um, being the CEO of Child Fund, that it was really important to hold that kind of anxiety and uncomfortable unknowingness and feel comfortable with everything not being certain. And if you can do that as a leader, I think you reduce the anxiety of staff. You know, I'm not always 100% good at that by any means, right? Sometimes I want to jump to the end and say, what's the answer there? But I'm at my best when I exhibit that it's okay. I'm confident we're going to get there. We just need a process together and we'll test our way to it. Do you ever share that you're scared too? You do. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly more, I would say more with my media team, but I wouldn't use the word scared with staff, but I might say, I don't, you know, it's not all clear. We don't all know it yet. Some of the questions you're asking, I can't answer yet, but we will know them by the time we get to that point. And I I think that to me is the authenticity and that amazingly enough does provide people in my experience comfort. Like, you don't have to pretend that you know it all. There's just the fact of, I believe in us, and we will have that figured out, seems to be quite a high positive impact. And Mm -hmm. has that been your experience? Yes, it is. It is. But we'll still have people who want to know the details. And and even board members um, who might want to know the details. But, um, But in general, it works well. It works well. Because just a moment on that is we're all wired differently and some of us feel more safe when we know A, B, C, D, E, F. Right. Other of us are fine. We're just heading that way. 
okay, good, let's go. <laughs> so it's I'm probably all those people, yeah. Yeah, I'm probably that that lot of group. You know, I don't particularly want to know all the steps. Um, I want to know that we have a clear picture of where we're going. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like you can learn as you go along, you know. And that was to our COVID response, right? We had to come up with a plan really quick that would work worldwide. We came up with a very high-level plan for priorities, but told the staff then, okay, you know how to work it out in your situation. So they knew where we were going, and they knew they had the space to implement the way they should and use their funding the way they should to do it. I mean, we didn't say you had to spend it all on this or that or whatever. It, you know, obviously, restricted donor money is different, but the other funds we had, and I think it worked well. I think, it, you know, staff are responsible. They know what they're doing. Um, I don't want to give them all the, the details. It makes us... It's hard enough being an 80-year-old organization and having a lot of habit, <laughs> right, in the way you do something. And if you put too much habit into everything or too many words into everything, telling you exactly what to do, it just doesn't work. That makes sense. So what do you think that courage has to do with leadership? Well, just being willing to be a leader, to put your head above the ground. I think that takes some courage. You know, um, certainly it was intimidating when I took, first took on the role of a CEO. I think going back to when I first took on managing being a country director of a country overseas. Um, you know, it's, I guess it's having confidence in yourself, right? And even though you haven't done this before, you know that you can do it. And I think that's the courage part, right? Um, and that you'll be able to draw on. And I've certainly had great mentors. And specifically, you know, when I joined, I got a mentor, how to, how, someone a lot of experience with board and board governance. That was a very intimidating part for me. So I got someone and I would call them up every once in a while and say, you know, what do you think about this? Help me with this. So, um, but it's being willing to take on something you haven't done before or lead the organization in a way you haven't done before. So that does take courage. You know, it does. You have to have courage in yourself and you have to have faith and trust in your staff that you picked good people, mm. that they will, can come the journey with you and they will be part of the answer. To me, that's, the, that's what diversity is all about, right? We each have part of the answer right. and we get those pieces out of everybody and put it together for the best picture. And weren't you telling me that also not that you've had to learn to stay out of the, the weeds that you, so talk about that. Yeah. I mean, I can, I mean, I was very operational for a long time overseas, so I could easily get very into the details. And sometimes I found myself um, trying not to do that in, in two ways it happened. One, just in meetings. And I would literally put my hands under my legs and sit on them. Right to stop myself, reminding myself, don't say too much about all those details, right? Let them work it all out. But um, in the other ways it was, oh, I, the way it was, um, i sorry, I forgot the point I was gonna make. Well, that's the one that you told me that you yourself, since you knew the, um, the, the field, since you knew the work, uh, you had to learn to stop, and you remember now you had to learn not to go there. That you hired the people to do that to That's make right. decisions, and you're 
I'm up here. I, I had to stay at the top, right? And and when you're not sure, it's easy to go. Thank you for that. It's easy to go back into your old role of what you're what you're good at, but you have to learn to stay at, at the right level. And you know, we have regional directors, we have country directors. They know what they're doing. And once I got to know them, I, I realized they do know what they're doing. They actually know more now that I knew because they're more up to date and all they have different skill sets and all that. So it was learning to stay at that. And I know the example I was thinking of the other day was we've had two or three crises in my time at Shelf and COVID being one crisis. And at that time, I had to get really deep down into something. And I had to. But I had to learn then when to end it and step away and come back and go up at my level. And um, that's hard to do because you could easily stick down there. But I successfully have done that. You know, sometimes better, uh, other, sometimes better than other times. Um, but it's, it's okay sometimes to get hands-on in a crisis, right? But then step away. Step away. And I think that is such uh, so challenging for, for leaders that have done the work like you have because you have your opinion, you have your insights, you have your lived experience. Um, and so to... to stay hands off on that it requires personal discipline yeah you know particularly um i would have board members sometimes ask me very specific detailed questions yeah and i learned to answer them after a while with if i knew that answer i really wouldn't be doing my job because i shouldn't be working at that level right i can get you that i'll find out if you're interested and get it back to you but i don't know it now and that's you know you have to be able to push back a little bit because that anybody can draw you down in. And when you've been operational, it's really easy to go operational. It's familiar. You know, you kind of mourn, and you can mourn for it and miss it from the past, right? I love the different jobs I had. But that isn't what the organization needs, you know? And, and there's a being a, a believing in what your role is so that you can say that to a board member and mm-hmm. conviction and, and courage, right? Yeah. I had a great, uh, great consultant who helped us through the first strategy that we worked for Child Fund. And she very clearly like, and this is your role. You have to do this. Nobody else can do this. Let other people do that. And she constantly remind me. So it was a good training come strategy development that helped me realize, uh, taught me and, and nurtured me along to where I should stay. What, what role should I be in and what role other people have to play? So she was very helpful. And uh, what I want to also highlight from that story is that the learning that goes on as a leader, you didn't come first into the, into the role, fully formed, no mistakes, no learnings. You, it's a process, you, and that's, that's exactly as it should be, and be comfortable with that. You're going to learn and change and grow and make mistakes and adjust. You know, sometimes when I sometimes when I talk to other CEOs, or they just comment something in a gathering, um, and I'm involved with groups of nonprofit CEOs, but I'm also in the about a year or two ago joined a group of uh, for-profit CEOs too, kind of a mentoring group. And sometimes I'm amazed at the level of what they're doing. I think you shouldn't be doing that. Mm. You know, why do you know that? You shouldn't be doing that. And uh, it's it's been and I think. But I, but I look back in my earlier career, and when I first came as a CEO, I was doing some of those things, right? So I'm a better CEO now. I've learned um, to let other staff do the things that they should do. One of my staff said to me once early on, and I'm afraid to ask you to do something that's below your pay grade. 
And that was a staff person that to me. She said, because it's wasting the time and money of child fund. And I thought, wow, I never thought of it like that. I used to think I want to be humble enough that I can do anything, right? I shouldn't, I shouldn't be like I'm a CEO and I can't do that anymore. But that was a good pushback that she gave me, right? That you should, you, the organization needs you to play your role and let other people play their role. Well, and I also yay to her, 10 points to her. And also yes. the fact that she's like, it's not a good use of child fund resources. That mm-hmm. is spot on. That's beautiful. Yeah. I agree. Um, and let's, as we come to the end, what advice would you give your younger self? Looking back, if you could give your beautiful and younger self, maybe a country director, or maybe when you assumed this role, what, what did you wish you knew or what advice would you give yourself? I think that each organization, any organization, is a living, breathing thing. And you can't turn it into something that it's not. Mm-hmm. And it's your job as a leader to figure out what it's really, really good at and then make that better and bigger. I think when I took my job, people thought I was going to try to turn my organization into the organization I spent 20 years in. And I quickly realized, no, I couldn't do that. It took a while to figure out what really was the part of child fund that I really should make bigger and better. You know, there were lots of things, but what is the one that would really make a big difference? So that would be one advice. I would also say definitely learn 300. I'd say this to anybody in their career. Learn 360 degrees of your business, right? The more you know about the whole side of it, the more then you're comfortable with it all and you don't have to get into all the details. But in the beginning, um, make sure you know the 360 degree view of it. Spend more time externally maybe with, it, with um, groups that I'm really glad I joined this for-profit uh, CEO group, right? They look at things differently. And I think it, it's good to have different perspectives on things. And just relax. I mean, my old mentor, who was a CEO, uh, said to me once, and there is a rhythm to our work. If you make a mistake one year, it'll come back next year and you'll be able to fix it and make it better. So don't get all, don't, don't, don't worry about it too much. So that was I do. Usually things will, if you don't get it right, they'll come back and you'll have a chance at it again. And you'll, you'll do better at that time. And what I, thank you, I love all of those. And what I want to pull out of the last one is in some ways we're saying let's not be perfectionists. Mm -hmm. Go forward, the mistakes will be made, you'll have a chance to rectify it. Yeah. No, I I totally agree with that. Yeah. I'm certainly not a perfectionist. I certainly try to do the best for child fund and child fund should do its best work. But actually perfectionism is, everybody has their own definition of that too, right? So I have to accept that. So yes, you always have a chance to go back and do it again the second time. And thank you so much for coming in and spending time with us for sharing what uh, Child Fund is doing. And um, I'm actually quite interested. We'll want to hear how you're going with, is it 100 million? Yes, 100 million children and family members by 2030. So we'll want to have you back in to see what you've, what you've learned. And I love some of the things you guys are doing is so interesting, like the crowdsourcing. So thank you for your time. It was great spending time with you, Lynn, and I'd be happy to come back and tell you what we learned because I'm sure we'll learn a lot in our journey. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks. Thanks.